If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. Parents discipline their children for one reason, love. Every mom, every dad only wants what's best for their child. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah says that's not only true for earthly parents, but even more so for the Heavenly Father. From the series, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, here's David to conclude his message, God Loves You, when He is Correcting You. Welcome, friend. You may be going through some... uh correction right now. Maybe you're under a little bit of discipline from your loving father. Don't misunderstand it. He does not discipline those who are not his. He only cares for those who are in his family. Oh, he cares for everybody, but he only disciplines those who belong to him. And if you're going through some things, it's because you belong to him. You're a child of the king. The king loves you. He wants to make sure you're the best you can be, and he's going to make every effort he can to keep you on the highway where you belong. And we want you to know that today we're going to talk about this some more and and get a little more insight into it uh, as we look at the book of Hebrews and the second chapter. We also want you to have a book that will give you insight into how God works in your life. Our resource for the month of January is the book Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss. I wrote the foreword to the book because I I was blessed by the manuscript. When it came out and my name was associated, I was very proud and thankful that God gave me the opportunity to come alongside uh, both Nancy and her husband um, and work with them to make sure as many people saw this book and read it as possible. So we're making this available to you for a gift of any size during the month of January with the hope that you will do your very best to help us so that we can put this back in your life and invest in your life and add value to your life. We know this will happen. We try our very best to make sure our resources all do that. So um, be sure to ask for your copy of Heaven Rules when you send your gift today. Don't forget also, we're going to Alaska in July. I know that sounds like that's a long way away, but you have to start planning for trips like that early on. You can get your reservation for that cruise, which will take place July 15th through the 22nd. And uh, we'll be uh, giving you more information about it, but I hope you will take seriously this invitation to come and go with us. One of the most beautiful places in the world, not far away, often not seen by many people who live in America. We want to take you there and show you the beauty of Alaska. We'll have a great time together. All right, let's get back to our discussion from yesterday. Here's the message. God loves you when he is correcting you. This is part two. We can be indifferent to God's discipline and we can be intimidated by it. We can even be ignorant about it. We cannot know what the Bible says and there are many people who go through life never understanding why God allows anything like discipline in their life. They just have been ignorant of it. They haven't read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you don't have to be ignorant. If you read the Bible, God will tell you how this all comes to be. And many people who I know, they don't understand that God holds their breath in his hand and he owns all of their ways, Daniel 5.23. Suffering is not the evidence of God's absence. 
Suffering is the evidence of God's presence. There is a way to accept and embrace and deal with suffering that will result in a better life, not a worse one. So don't be ignorant about it. Remember that God has spoken about this in his word. In fact, in the book of 1 Peter and many other places in the Bible, you can learn a great deal about how to deal with adversity in your life. There is actually a theology of adversity. And here's the problem, men and women. Let me just speak freely. When we get into adversity and we haven't studied it ahead of time, it's almost impossible for us to gather ourselves together and comprehend what it's all about. So God gives us this truth in his word so we can develop strong mental facilities to understand what adversity is about. That doesn't mean that it won't hurt and it won't be painful, but we'll have an understanding of it that will enable us to negotiate the ship of state through the storm without capsizing or being blown off course. God wants us to know what he's up to in discipline. So don't be indifferent to it. Don't be intimidated by it. And by all means, don't be ignorant of it. But the scripture says, be instructed by it. Here in the text, it says, we can be trained by this. We can be submissive to it. We can refuse to take it lightly. We can enter into it with surrender and joy. And we can remember that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Discipline is this ordained path that God has for us to deepen our relationship with him. It is the only path. And so if we refuse it or we resist it, we turn our back on growth and love. And God can't do in us what he desires to do. So we have the reasons for it, the reality of it, and our reaction to it. In the midst of his little writing, the writer of Hebrews gives us a little illustration, the rationale for God's discipline. Notice verses 9 and 10. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he to our prophet that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now here the writer is saying, let me just give you a little illustration. And he uses a play on words. Actually, the word human fathers is not an exact translation of the text. Actually, the word human fathers is fathers of the flesh. That's what it says. And a little bit later on down in the text, he talks about the father of the spirit. So he's talking about two different kinds of fathers, the fathers of the flesh and the fathers of the spirit. He's talking about human fathers and our heavenly father. And he's saying, let me try to explain the heavenly father to you in terms of human fathers. He says, our human fathers, our fathers of the flesh, they disciplined us when we were growing up and we look back and give them respect. We don't usually give them a lot of respect when it's happening in the past. But as we get older and we have more maturity in our lives, we look back and we're thankful that we had parents who loved us enough not to let us always go our own way, but disciplined us so that we become the kind of people we ought to be. My brother was telling me that his grown son just happened to have a conversation with him and said to him, Dad, thank you for disciplining me when I was growing up. 
I would never be the person I am today if you hadn't done that. That's how we respond, isn't it? We respond to our human fathers by respecting them. Any right-thinking adult who's had good parents in the past who cared enough to discipline them on their way up will look back and say, I'm very grateful that I had parents like that. Let me give tribute to my parents today. I had parents who disciplined me. I knew there was a line. I didn't often cross the line, but if I did, I was reminded not to do it again. Amen. The Board of Education was applied to the seat of knowledge, and great growth happens there. And I respect my parents for that. How many of you know that today it's so easy not to do that in our human families? I read an article that while we don't allow spanking anymore, spanking has been replaced in the family by shouting. And they've done a study about this among families that we no longer touch our children, we just yell at them. If you don't think that happens, you haven't been around some families, maybe at the ballpark or places where you hang out with them. Nobody wants to do anything to restrain their children, so they just yell at them. Over and over again in the book of Proverbs, we're told that if we love our children, we will discipline them. And if we're that way in the human family, the Bible says that would help us understand why our heavenly father, who has much more at stake with us than we have with our own children, that our heavenly father would do the same thing. Now, the Bible goes on to say that as human fathers, we're not perfect in our discipline. How many of you have ever spanked the wrong kid? (laughs) How many of you have ever spanked them for something they actually didn't do and you got bad information? All of us have had that because we're imperfect. You have to go back and apologize. What a glorious moment that is for a child when you have to do that. (laughs) I've had a few of those. But let me tell you something. While we make mistakes, our Heavenly Father never does. With all the best intentions in the world, we as human parents, we under-discipline, we over-discipline, we fail to discipline, we discipline from the wrong motive, in the wrong way, at the wrong time. But God never makes any of those mistakes. God never looks back on any of his discipline in our lives with regret. He never needs a (laughs) do-over. He never needs to say, I'm sorry, because God always understands. It says here, he disciplines us for that which is going to be best in us. He's the perfect father who always measures out discipline with the right firmness and the right fairness so that his purpose and his objective is realized. Here's the argument. If our human fathers, the fathers of our flesh, corrected us and we honored them, how much more should we give honor to the father of the spirit who corrects us and helps us to be what we should be? We've seen the reasons for God's discipline in our lives. Sometimes it's punishment, sometimes it's protection, mostly it's purification. We've seen the reality of it. If we have it, we're sons. If we don't have it, we're not. We've seen the reaction to it. We've been told by the word of God right here in Hebrews, don't be indifferent to it, don't be intimidated by it, don't be ignorant of it, be instructed by it. We've seen the rationale for it. We have fathers of our flesh who discipline us and we give them respect. How much more should give respect to the father of the spirit who disciplines us in our Christian life? Now, what are the results of this discipline in our life? What is God going for when he sandblasts us along the way? And basically, the writer of Hebrews tells us there's three things. First of all, 
He wants us to receive holiness. Notice that we may be partakers of his holiness. The goal that our loving father has for us is that we might be holy as God is holy. Please note, this is not just holiness. This is God's holiness. The Bible says that God is holy. And then in 1 Peter, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. The Bible says that we receive the holiness of God through our salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the intrinsic holiness of Almighty God. It says we are to receive that. And sometimes we forget that's available to us and we have to be reminded through the stuff we go through. What God wants us to be is he wants us to be holy. Now I know that word has taken a lot of hits in our culture. We have holy Joes and holy rollers and holy everything and it's always a put down. But let me just tell you, holiness is good. God is holy, and God wants us to be holy. We say it like this in our culture today. We want to become more like Christ. We want to become better people, holy people. There's not one thing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. And God has that as his number one goal for us when we become Christians, to grow us up into maturity under Christ. So through the disciplines we have in our lives, he's making us holy. Secondly, he wants us not only to receive holiness, but he wants us to reflect righteousness. Verse 11 says afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Let me remind you again of the priority of the word afterwards. Afterwards, after this is all done, after perhaps a period of time is gone, after you can look back and reflect on what God was done, what happens is you become a better person. The holiness of God, which you received as a gift from salvation, begins to reflect itself in daily righteousness. You become a better person. I don't think you can go through life without any trouble, without any difficulty, and be anything close to the person that God wants you to be. If you have been one of those people who've kind of skipped along from mountain to mountain and never spent much time in the valley, you've had enough discipline to know that you're a child of God, but you haven't experienced a lot. I remember years ago as a young pastor, I read somewhere that before God can greatly use a person, he has to greatly hurt him. And I remember praying that I could be the exception. (laughs) And no, there aren't any exceptions. There are no exceptions. God does not use people that he does not train. He trains his people, and one of his tools of training is the difficulty of life. If you have never been through any difficulty and survived it and thrived in it and been victorious over it, how can you ever lead anybody else through that? God puts you through stuff so that you will be holy and so that you will live righteously. And then the third thing is he's after peace in your life. He wants you to receive holiness and to reflect righteousness and to radiate peace. What is peace? Peace is the absence of anxiety. Let me ask you a question, men and women. Why are we so anxious as people of God? Our anxiety a lot of times is the result of the fact that we know we're not what we ought to be. We're trying maybe sometimes to live two lives. We have our Sunday life and our weekday life. We have our at-home life and we have our at-work life. We have our double standards. We don't live holy. We're not integrated from the inside out. And the Bible says when you get holiness right and you begin to reflect righteousness, the result will be peace in your life. You'll have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You'll have the joy of the Lord. You'll have the sense that all is right. 
in your heart. And what the writer wants us to understand, men and women, is that we just can't get there by reading the Bible. We just can't get there by coming to church. We can't just get there by praying. God will have to put us through some things to teach us our trust in him. Those of us who are type A, we are especially in need of sandblasting. (laughs) Because we are so driven We've learned how to get things done. We know how to make things happen. And sometimes we get off on our own little trip and God has to do his work in our lives to bring us back and realize that we are totally dependent upon him to accomplish his will. Now all of this is instructive and all of this is meant by Almighty God to help us understand how much he loves us. But I want you to understand one more thing before we close our Bibles. That unlike parents in the flesh. God never disciplines us and then abandons us. He doesn't give us a spanking and then go off to work. He doesn't sandblast us and then not talk to us for two weeks because he's still angry with what we did. No, the very opposite is true. and This is one of the special things of the word of God. This is so wonderful to be able to share this with you. God is never nearer to us than when he is disciplining us. In the book of John chapter 15, we have the story of the pruning of the vines. Now remember reading one time years ago that the husbandman, the gardener, is never nearer to the vines than when he's pruning them. And I've heard you say it, that when we're going through stuff that we didn't anticipate, and sometimes it's really hard You come back to me as your pastor and you say, Pastor, I don't know how I ever got through that, but I want to tell you something. When I was going through those days, the Lord was so precious to me. He was so real to me. Let me say, is the Lord more precious and more real and more present at one time than at another? No, he's omnipresent. He's always present in the same level at all time. But when we go through stuff, we become aware of his presence, don't we? We become sensitized to what he's doing in our life. And so it is true to say that when we are being tested, God promises always to be with us. I was thinking about that, and I just kind of did a quick tour of the scripture. And I found over and over again this little statement. When God called Moses to lead the children of Israel, an incredibly challenging job that Moses felt totally inadequate for. God had to set a bush on fire to get his attention and help him understand what he wanted to do. And Moses was still arguing with God, how am I going to ever stand before Pharaoh and get him to listen to me? Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So God said, I will certainly be with you. And then Joshua came along and God said to Joshua, now that the children of Israel are out of Egypt and they're on their way into the promised land, a land filled with giants and idolatry and all other kinds. Joshua, I want you to be my leader and you take them in there and settle the land. And Joshua said, Lord, I'm not the right guy. And God said to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. I also will be with you I will not leave you nor forsake you, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
And then Isaiah comes along and he says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. (laughs) Fear not, for I am with you. And then Jeremiah the prophet was afraid to speak for the Lord. And the Lord God came to him and said, Jeremiah, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. And then you come to the book of Daniel and you look into the furnace and you hear Nebuchadnezzar saying, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. God doesn't promise us that he'll keep us from the furnace. He just promises he'll go in there with us. And he was in the furnace with the three Hebrew children. You come to the New Testament and Paul's fighting his way through his missionary journeys and now the Lord speaks to Paul in the night by a vision and he says to Paul, do not be afraid but speak. Speak and do not keep silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. Let me just say something to you. What I've learned, if God is with you, you have everything you need. He brings the whole package You need strength, he's the strong God. You need hope, he's the God of hope. You need a sense of confidence, he's the God of peace. You need power, he's the almighty, omnipotent one. He's the God of the mountain, he's the God of the valley, he's the God of the day, he's the God of the night. There's no situation he has not mastered completely and he brings it all to you when you're going through your stuff. He's with you. One tribe of Native Americans have a very strange way It's kind of the Native American bar mitzvah of bringing their young sons to age. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he's placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night there alone. Till then, he had never been away from the security of his family and his tribe. But on this night, he is blindfolded and taken miles away from his home. And when he takes off the blindfold, he's in the middle of a thick woods by himself and he's going to be there all night long. Every time a twig is snapped, he visualizes a wild animal ready to pounce on him. Every time an animal howls, he imagines a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blows, he wonders what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt it was a terrifying night for many 13-year-old Native Americans. After what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and even the outline of a path. Then, to his utter amazement, he beholds the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was the boy's father, and he had been there all night long. In the midst of our darkest night, when we're most afraid, when we don't know what the dangers are around us, what the Bible tells us is this. Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. And what that tells me is what I've been trying to tell you. Whatever you're going through, don't take it as the evidence that God doesn't love you, but embrace it as the realization that you are one of his children and he loves you. And then take hope and knowledge in this truth. He is with you. Because you see, my friends, God loves you. He always has. And he always will. Amen. 
Uh, every time I hear that little phrase, I want to tell you that there's a book by that name that we wrote some years ago. God loves you. He always has, and he always will. Uh, it's in paperback, and it's available from Turning Point. If you'll go to our website, you can not only find the book there, but the study guide and the CD package and DVD package that goes with it. It's a great curriculum for small group study. I hope you'll think about that as you get ready for the new year. This is a great thing to communicate to your loved ones, your friends, those who are in your group, to sit around and talk about something as marvelous as God's love, how much he loves you. It is um, very healthful, very helping, very encouraging. You can find out more about that at davidjeremiah.org. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about this subject from Romans chapter 8. God's love will never let you go. You might think that, uh, well, I used to be loved by God, but not anymore. That's not possible. The ones that God loves, he loves forever, and he never lets you go. We'll talk about that tomorrow as you join us for Turning Point. In the meantime, don't forget about our cruise to Alaska. Don't forget to order your copy of the book, Heaven Rules. Don't forget to pray for us here at Turning Point. And one last thing, if you're not getting our magazine, that's a huge way to stay involved in the Bible, stay involved with Turning Point, stay involved in what God is doing around the world. And we'd love to send it to you. If you'll ask for it, we'll send it to you through the mail. And if you'd rather have the devotional content sent to your email address, we'll send that to you free too. Let us know how we can help you. And we're here to do that. We'll see you next time. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolleman and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, here on Turning Point. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Critics like to say that Christians are so heavenly-minded they are of no earthly good. But the great British author C.S. Lewis 
drew exactly the opposite conclusion. He wrote, I have discovered that the people who believe most strongly in the next life do the most good in the present one. Why does belief in heaven make a difference on earth? Because we know that eternal life begins in this life when we are born again. We are living our eternal life now. How we live in this life has a direct impact on the rewards we receive or don't receive in heaven. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's view of heaven on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.